are in a series called Family Matters, and uh, actually Family Matters 2, because we, don't, we started Family Matters a few years, a couple years ago, and we're revisiting it now because there's just so much to cover, so this is Family Matters 2. Last week, actually week before, uh, we started, this will be the third week, so we started just kind of laying out the situation about where we're at, what, what's happening in our nation, the changes that are happening, and I gave you eight essential milestones that every child needs to have by the time they leave your house. And uh, of course, all of us have kids at different stages. Some could have young, you know, newborns all the way up to 17, 18 year olds that are just about to leave the house. So we understand everyone's in between. And if you're just now starting to think about some of these things, you know, it could kind of cause some regret because you look back and you go, oh, well, I should have done this. I should have done that. Uh, I wish I'd done this better. And I don't think there's a parent that's going to get to the end of it that doesn't have some regret because we're not perfect. And no matter how early you came into the Christian faith and started thinking about these things, no one's going to do it perfect. No one's going to do it just right. So the goal is not to beat yourself up over this. The goal is to look at the time you have remaining and make the absolute best use of it. And that's, that's the goal, is to look at what do I have in front of me, uh, the time remaining, and how can I give it my full attention? I, I said this to you, I think, last week that, you know, if you have teenagers in your house, say 16 or above, uh, you've got just a few short years. You know, you've got a few short years to just pour yourself into them um, and get every last ounce of who you are and who God is into them so that they can be prepared to take on this world. So uh, we covered... The first milestone last week, which is having a strong, vibrant relationship with God, and we're going to cover the second one this morning, and that is having a love and passion for God's Word. Now, I want to tell you, um, this series is a little different, maybe, than some of the things that we've uh, looked at because it's just so blunt and it's so direct, but that it has to be because no one... because. There are a lot of things that need to be discussed concerning family that just aren't getting discussed in our nation. There are lots of things that are happening in our children's lives, a lot of lies that are being shoved down their throat that no one is addressing, and that's exactly how the enemy wants it. I mean, that's his, that's his strategy is fill your mind with lies and then silence all of the people who are speaking the truth that would counteract those lies. Because you do know the only thing that counteracts lies is the truth, right? And actually, this is the whole battle. It's, it's truth versus lies. This is the whole battle. That is the world that we live in. If you want to simplify our existence, that is it. It is truth versus lies. It is light versus darkness. It's that simple. And it was that way from the beginning. But right now, we live in a very, very, I don't think I can say very enough times, very confused, perverted world right now. And it seem, that seems to be wrong on almost every issue, every important issue. Wrong on marriage. Wrong on gender. Wrong on sexuality. Wrong about God. Wrong on almost every single issue. Why? Because it's lies versus truth. Right? There's a, there is a correct way to see things. There's a truthful way 
to see things. There's a correct way to view things, and then there's a wrong way to view things. And that, by, in and of itself, has been eliminated largely in our culture. That, that alone is offensive. That's the culture we live in now. Just saying there's a possibility that I could be right and you could be wrong because I'm aligned with the truth and you're aligned with a lie. Just that fact has been so uh, targeted and put under such assault that that statement alone is offensive to people. Just the idea that one person could be right and someone else could be wrong. No, because here's how we view it now is, no, well, that's your reality. That's your truth. And your, that's your opinion. And I have my opinion. It's equally as valid. Wrong. There are a lot of opinions that are just flat out wrong. Okay. And, and you, you know, we understand this in the simplest of terms. But with teenagers, it gets very muddy and it gets very confusing. And they buy into these lies and they need, they need parents and they need churches and they need godly people to help align them. But we understand this in the simplest of terms. If we stood up here, me and you, and both of us said, all right, we're going to make a chocolate cake. And I said, let's put in, here's the recipe. If you do this, this, and this, you're going to come up with a chocolate cake. And the other person over here said, well, I think there's lots of ways to make a chocolate cake. And I want to put sand in my chocolate cake. Matter of fact, I don't even want to use any chocolate in my chocolate cake. Well, yours is going to taste like garbage. I'm sorry. (laughs) And that's just truth. I mean... No, there's a way to do things, there's a right way to do things, there's a wrong way. And I understand, of course, there are things that are subjective, I understand that. But how many of you know there are lots of cold, hard, factual truths out there? And the whole purpose of God, the whole purpose of Christianity, the whole purpose of the Bible Bible, is to lay out those truths for you in the clearest of terms so that you can live a life that is full of the goodness of God and not fall into these traps that come along with sin, destruction, lies, and deception. But I want you to understand, I think you already understand it, that we live in an extremely confused and perverted world right now that, is bought, that has begun to buy into lies at an exponential rate. The older you are, the more you know what I'm talking about is true. Because if you were born in a certain decade... You saw lies and deception increasing at a kind of a slow pace. But if you're like my age and younger, say, say 40 and younger, you've seen lies just explode at an exponential pace. Why is that? Because the truth has been silenced. And anytime you have the truth being silenced, then lies are going to explode at an exponential pace. And uh, the situation that we find ourselves in is that between... Social media and really all media, the public school system, you know, television, these things, we have a constant flow and stream of lies that are coming into our children's mind. And sometimes the uh, truth that is coming out from their parents, hopefully, and the church, hopefully, is not enough to counteract the flood of lies that they have coming into their minds. And many parents, without realizing it, they put cell phones in their kids' hands, they put social media, they put the internet in their hands. And what they were actually doing is giving them just a constant flood of source of lies into their mind. And they wake up one day and they don't understand why their child is so confused about their gender, about their sexuality, about their faith in God. They're so confused on all of these issues. Why? Because they just had a constant flood of lies into their mind. 
and they didn't have the correct foundation, they didn't have the correct truth to counteract it. So if you're going to prepare your child for this world, the second thing you're going to have to do, apart from creating a strong, vibrant relationship with God, is you're going to have to give them a love and passion for God's Word because that's their only hope of survival in this world. When the Word of God is your anchor, when the Word of God is your foundation, you can recognize a lie very easily. If you have no foundation and you don't have the Word of God as that solid foundation, you can't recognize a lie, and so you'll believe the silliest, most goofy things. And what you have happening in our nation right now is there has been a reduction in the preaching of the truth of God's Word, even even in churches. We talk about a lot of things, but we won't talk about the things that people are being deceived on. So we don't talk about homosexuality anymore. We don't talk about transgenderism. We don't talk about all the things that offend people. We don't talk about abortion. We don't talk about living together and sexual sin. We don't talk about those things. Well, what's happening? Well, the lies and the deception around it have just exploded. Every, every television series from the 70s on have just had all of these things in one measure or another that's just telling you this is normal, this is okay, this is good, you're missing out if you don't have this. Oh, you feel this way. Maybe this is what's wrong with you. Maybe you're gay. Maybe you're transgender. Maybe the the lies on and on and on. And where is the truth to counteract that? Where is the truth to counteract it? If that, listen, if the truth coming into a person or a child's mind is not at least equal to the lies that are coming into their mind, what do you think is going to happen to them? Where do you think they're going to fall? At the very least, they're going to be very deceived and very confused. But here's the problem with that, is that whatever you believe, whatever you accept up here is going to direct your future. And the the devastation, the heartache, the immeasurable pain that comes along with buying into lies is hard to calculate. And I see it all the time as a pastor. I encounter people that they bought lies, they, they, they accepted lies... And the fruit that came out of that in their own life and the fruit that's coming out of that in their children's lives, I I see it and encounter it all the time. I can't say this strongly enough. Please understand, if you're a parent raising kids in 2022, this is different than any other generation. This is different than any other time period where people have raised kids. You have a different battle. This is not like raising kids even in the 80s or the 70s or especially 60s and 50s. It's not like that. Okay, if you're raising kids today and you're on cruise control, you're going to lose your kids. If you're raising kids today and you're just passive and you just hope, well, they'll be okay. Like this mindset, another lie, by the way. Oh, they'll grow out of that. Oh, they'll be fine. Listen, almost every, almost every problem I encounter with adults in the, in the church when I sit with people and go through counseling and all the devastation in people's lives, almost every problem stems from things they picked up when they were teenagers. Certain sins, they, certain lies they got a part of, certain things that begin to attach it to themselves in that time period. No, they don't just grow out of everything. Why do you think Satan fights so hard for the souls of our youth? Why do you think that Satan wants to indoctrinate our children with lies in the public school system and other, and other things from the time they're in third grade? Why do you think on PBS, okay, 
You're going to be watching PBS and the kids show. They're going to have stuff about drag queens and transgender and this. On. Why? Why? Because Satan knows what he's doing. And I don't get mad at the people that are behind it. That's, you know, we have to understand it for what it is. It's not, this is not being angry with people or how could those people over in Hollywood, you know, do that. It's not that. We understand the spirit that's behind it. We understand that Satan is a strategist and that he's working to put lies into our kids' minds. Why does he start so young? Why does he work so hard with, you know, now all the kids shows, PBS, Sesame Street. You know, you got to screen every, every little kid show that they watch now because they're trying to do the indoctrination from such a young age. And so now we see uh, an exponential increase of kids that are confused. They've bought into the lies. They don't understand who they are. They don't understand their identity. They don't understand their sexuality. They're, they're confused about God, confused about life. Why? Because there's a constant stream of lies into their mind and into their life. And if you as a parent are on cruise control, then your child is going to be sucked into that, to that trap. And it's going to have devastating consequences. So what is the answer? Well, the answer is to create a love and passion for God's Word on the inside of them. See, what I, what I want to do, this is why with, uh, if you're good, what good parents do is they protect their children and they expose them to dangerous things at the appropriate time, once they've been prepared and they've been ready. In other words, I want the truth of God's Word. I want my values, the truth of my values that are based on God's Word, I want them to become a solid foundation in your life. I want them to have taken complete root in your life so that when you are exposed to a lie, you recognize it immediately. And that when you encounter a lie, you already know the truth. You already know the answer. It works a lot like an antivirus software, you know, that we have on our computers where you have an antivirus software and you got all these viruses that are created new all the time trying to figure out ways to get in and sabotage your your computer, your device. And the antivirus software has to be continually updated, continually, you know, renewed so that it can account for every threat, every new lie, every new virus, every new way of trying to get in. If you've got an antivirus software that's two years out of date, your your computer's probably already (laughs) in trouble. It has to be constantly updated, constantly renewed to stay up with all the latest threats. Listen, your mind is like that. And the Word of God is your antivirus software. As you renew, God knew this. That's why he's had this part of his plan all along. He calls it mind renewal. As you renew your mind with the Word of God, and you read the Word of God, and you hear the Word of God, and you feed on the Word of God, your mind and that antivirus software is constantly updated, constantly renewed. So the moment you see a lie, you spot it immediately. It doesn't even get through. You take that thought captive, and you say, that's not of God. That doesn't line up with the Word of God. I'm not believing that. I'm not buying into that. But for a Christian that never reads the Word of God, or half, you know, just it's not an important part of their life, then their, their filter, you might say, is very porous. So lots of stuff is getting through. Lots of lies are getting through. And how many of you know that it only takes one lie to change and ruin a person's life? If you don't believe that, just go back and read the account in the Garden of Eden. Eve, Adam and Eve bought one lie, and it changed the course of human history. It doesn't take but just one lie. One lie to take root in a child's mind about who they are, 
about their sexuality, about their gender. It doesn't take but just one lie to be bought for it to change the course of their life forever. So you go, well, what is the answer? Well, the answer is to cause them to have a love and passion for God's Word. And I'm going to talk to you about how to do that in just a moment. But let's look at a few other things. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, talking about how Satan works. It says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. So this is the goal of Satan. This is how he works. His goal is to keep you from ever seeing the light. Why? Because the light exposes the darkness. Okay, you read God's word that this, this, or that is sin. You read God's word, God's law that this, that, or the other is wrong. What's happened? Now light and truth come in. And if enough light and truth come in, guess what? It'll dispel the darkness. If enough light and truth come in, it will dispel the darkness. So Satan fights, it says, He's blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. Why? Because if they see the light, they won't be blinded anymore. So he fights to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. This is why one of the reasons I believe that we've seen uh, pastors in America, churches that have suppressed the truth, don't talk about offensive issues We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to offend anybody. We want to be inclusive. We we want to have conversations with people. Okay, but here's the problem with that. The problem with that is that you're watering down the, the medicine. You're watering down the antidote. You're watering down the truth that would dispel the darkness. And I just want to tell you, I listen, I love any of you that come to my church, come to this church and, and you know, and you've been here for a while, you know I love people. I love, I will go, I'll bend over backwards to help anybody. Uh, and so we, all of our church members are so full of love for whoever comes in the doors. It doesn't matter who comes in, broke, sinful, deceived, one way or another, it doesn't matter. Come in, let the gospel, hear, you know, hear the gospel, let it change you, all of that. But one of the things that I can't worry about is who gets offended by truth. I can't worry about that. You can't worry about that. I've had people tell me, well, you said this, and so-and-so got offended, and they didn't come back. I, I don't want to say I don't care, but I don't care. Uh, and it's not that I don't care in the sense that I don't care for the person. I care deeply for the person. But I can't care about whose feelings of this, that, or the other got hurt because I didn't sign up for that. I just got to be honest with you. I didn't sign up to, to manage and be sensitive to people's feelings. I signed up to communicate the Word of God. And it's full force. And if I don't do that, I'm being dishonest to God. I'm being unfaithful to God. And I'd rather please God than please man. And see, that mentality, though, that's not just for preachers. That's not just for pastors. That's for every Christian that ought to be the mentality. And the the fact that it's not is why the world's in the shape that it's in right now. I gave you so many statistics when we started this series about how things are exponentially increasing, and I want you to understand what the cause of that is. Okay, in, 20, in 2000, around 2000, 35% of the nation was for homosexual marriage. Okay, that's, that's 2000. 2020, it's over 70%. Why the increase? Why the change? Because people stopped Address, people stopped saying it was at a certain point, either churches, pastors, Christians gave up. They said, this is a losing battle. We can't keep talking about that issue. We got to just give up on that because everybody's accepting it. And you see the result of that. Listen, and that is not helpful for, for anyone. 
Not that anybody's against those people or, or against anybody that has sin in their life. Well, of course not. The gospel's the answer for all of that. But when you shut down the answer, okay, when you water down the medicine, now no one's getting the help that they need to get. We talked about uh, a couple weeks ago how just from one generation to the next, just from Gen X to, to the millennials to Gen Z, how... Uh, you know, how many of those groups identify as one of the LGBT community, it went from, uh, it went from 4% to 10% to 20% of Gen Z now think that, you know, they identify this way or the other. Okay, so one in five. That, again, I think we're just getting goofy on some of that because we're just out of, we've, we're losing our minds on that. But why? Because the lies are so rampant. They're constant. You can't watch a single commercial you can't watch a commercial without some sort of indoctrination, some sort of little, little, you know, pointing to this or pointing to that, some little, you know, this gay couple or this issue or that. It's in everything. It's in every commercial. It's in every TV show. It's, it's constantly being indoctrinated. And then, but then on the other side, you have the church that's being quiet. You have doctors that are being quiet. You have therapists that are being quiet. People that need to be speaking up saying, hey, this actually isn't healthy. Just forget the Bible. Just from a, from a medical standpoint, this isn't good. Therapists saying, hey, maybe, maybe that's not the issue. Let's, what happened to you in your life? You know, what caused it? What, why are you feeling that way? Walking you through it. Just no one is saying those things. They're not being allowed to say it. Or if there are people saying it, it's very few. So what do we have? We have the truth that's being suppressed. And for many pastors and churches, uh, which, I, which I hold responsible for this whole issue. Because if churches who are empowered by God, supported by God, have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, uh, inside of the pastors, if they say what needs to be said all across this country, I promise you there are enough churches, there are enough pastors, there are enough Christians to get the word of God out that would counteract the lies. But the problem is, is that you don't have enough doing that. And as a matter of fact, I have people almost every Sunday, and, and don't get me wrong, the response uh, overall is, is uh, or the response is not all united on how people feel about these things being said. But every week, just about, I have people coming, oh, thank you for saying that. And what are they saying? They're saying no one else is, no one's saying it. And of course there are people out there, and I praise God for other churches, pastors that are communicating it. But it's, again, it's not just churches and pastors. It's all Christians that ought to be saying this. But, you know, it's a lot easier to stick your head in the sand, isn't it? If I don't love humanity, okay, if I don't love you, and I don't love my fellow man, it's way easier just to stick my head in the sand because I don't need that problem. I don't need any more problems. I don't need anybody mad at me. I don't need anybody leaving the church. I don't need, I'm just going to preach, you know, on God's love and forgiveness and kindness because that's just a lot easier. And that's what a lot of people have done. And that's what a lot of Christians have done. We don't want to cause waves. We don't want to be, you know, ostracized. But meanwhile, Satan is destroying people's lives. And for us who have the answer to look and see that and then just sit silently by and go, well, you know, I don't want to say nothing about that. I mean, can't, can't talk on that. Well, yeah, but you have the light. And what happens if the light gets shut down? Jesus said that. What happens if the light gets put under a basket? Nobody can see it. What if the salt of the earth loses its saltiness? 
Well, then we get the situation that we're in. And the problem with that is that it's exponential. Because the more you stamp out the truth, the more the lies and the darkness can spread, and then it's exponential from each generation. And when you see certain statistics, when you see certain changes in mindset go, they double from one generation to the next, from 5 to 10 to 20. Where does that put us in the next 10 years? And where does it put us beyond that? If something doesn't change in our nation, if something doesn't happen, we are, we are not on a good path. We are not on a good path as a nation. And again, more and more people that should be addressing these things are not. But all I can say is, we're going to do our part, right? We're going we're gonna, to, and, and as you, and you got to say the same thing. I can't control what the whole world's doing, but I'm going to do my part. I'm going to raise my family. I'm going to lead my kids. I'm going to use my voice. I'm going to use my influence to be somebody who spreads the light of the gospel. And you go, well, what if doing that costs me something? What if doing that may cost me a relationship or a job? Well, all I have to say to that is that you wouldn't be the first Christian to experience persecution on behalf of Jesus Christ. And that's been a normal part of Christianity. Since, since the beginning, that's been a normal part. And all I can tell you is the, the price that you'll pay is probably a lot less than many other believers around the world have had to pay. Okay, I intended for this sermon to be a little more encouraging, but uh, y'all must be doing something wrong. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> so this was... Uh, one of a, a Pew research, 38% of Americans say that transgenderism is good for the country. Now, I want you to think about the level of lies you've had to buy into to think that. And the, the shocking number of 38% with 400 million you know, people in the country roundabout. 38%, they're getting close to half at that point, 38% say transgenderism is good for the country. Now, I, I'm constantly astounded. I think you, many of you are. I'm constantly astounded at, at the level of deception, even against biology, not just the Bible, just you know, things that people know to be true, facts that people know to be true, saying, oh, no, this is, this is good. It's okay. It's okay because this man says he's a woman that he can now participate in women's sports. And please understand, this is not political. We're not getting into politics, nothing like this. This is, this is about looking at the shape of our nation. This is about looking at how lies and deception works. And see, once you've bought into one lie, the next one is a lot easier. And, it's a, and it doesn't matter that the next one is more foolish and more absurd. Once you've bought into one lie, it just it multiplies and it goes on and it goes on and on. Until now... If you walked across the average college campus in the United States and you started asking kids, hey, can you tell me what a woman is? They just about cannot tell you what a woman Can you tell me what a man is? Just about cannot tell you what a man is because they've bought into these lies. And it's not just, it's not just our, our culture and things like that. It's also the church's that I'm seeing a change in as well. It's every year that you see some prominent pastor or leader coming out that has evolved in their views. Well, I've evolved on that issue. 
and they've changed their mind. Well, they, guess what? The Word of God never evolved. It stayed the same. So I'm glad that you evolved, but truth did not evolve. Truth stayed the same. But the problem with that is when, when pastors evolve and leaders evolve and people that have a voice evolve and now they're either aligning themselves with lies or they're just watering down the truth, now the problem of deception is going to explode because we're the only gatekeepers. The church, Christians, pastors, leaders, we're the only gatekeepers that are holding back a torrent of deception and lies. And as we've seen the church weaken and we've seen Christians weaken in this nation, and we've seen that, we, we've seen the others just uptick, the lies, the deception, the darkness just uptick. And before long, uh, who knows where it'll go? We don't, we don't know. I don't want to be like over alarmist. Oh, you know, in 20 years, the country's going to be under. I, I, don't, I don't know. But I'll tell you this, that when you have an entire group of people, like a massive amount of people that cannot tell you what a woman is, <laughs> or cannot tell you what a man is, okay, that is paving the way for the end-time deception that Jesus talked about. He said the level of deception will be so rampant in the last days that even the very elect, meaning the, the, the super-Christians, you might say, the very elect would be deceived if it weren't for, for the help of God and the help of the Holy Spirit. He said even the very elect would be deceived. So... We know that the end times right before Jesus returns is going to be the most deceiving time that has ever come on the, on the nation, on the world. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But we see that being paved. We see a path being paved to where worldwide acceptance of the Antichrist, worldwide acceptance of someone who claims and proclaims himself to be God, Tells everybody they got to take the mark of the beast, 666. You know, you can ask anybody walking on the street today just about it. Hey, do you know what 666 is? And they'll know. They know something about it. But even knowing it, go read in the book of Revelations. The majority of people are going to accept it. Why? Because deception has just increased to such a level that people cannot even tell the difference between truth and a lie. Now... Talking about that, though, and in this series, Family Matters, again, you can't control the world. You can't, you can't control what's happening in the world. But you've been given a very, very specific and important assignment for your children. That is your responsibility. First of all, for your own self and your own mind. But then for your children. How do you raise children in this type of culture and in this type of environment to come out recognizing and spotting lies and spotting truth and knowing it? How do you, how do, you do that? Well, we're going to talk about it. Col Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Paul writes, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Just notice right there what he even calls them. He says, you're saints in the light. So in, in Scripture, light is synonymous with truth. Darkness is synonymous with lies. So he talks about the kingdom of darkness, Satan being the kingdom of darkness. He's, he's referring to a group of people, uh, Satan, all those who follow him. They live in darkness, meaning they, they don't have the truth. So because of that, they live in ignorance. They live in darkness. Saints in the light, meaning you came out of that darkness, and now you have the truth. Your eyes have been opened. You know what this world is really about. You know there's a God. You know there's a heaven. You know there's a hell. You know that he gave us 
the law of God, that he gave us the word of God. You have that truth. You have the light. You're no longer in darkness. So in the scripture, light and darkness are synonymous. When he says someone's in darkness, it means they don't have the light. They don't have the truth. They're in deception. When someone has the light, they've, they've come into the truth. And their eyes have been opened. And listen, that's what this world is about. There are two types of people. Those in the light, those in the darkness. There's not, you know, 50, 100, and all these religions. There's not all these different viewpoints. It's those are in the darkness, those in the light. And, and sometimes, and even in one person... <clears throat> Their views might, have, might be in the light on one issue, but it might be in the darkness on another. And that's why the mind renewal is so important. So he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Look at this, verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain or kingdom of darkness. And he's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Praise God. Man, how many of you have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? Aren't you thankful for that? I mean, thank God that, that you know, our eyes have been opened. And then, and then once we've received that and seen that, then it's our job to spread that to others. I mean, you know, we, we can't come out of darkness and then just be content with that and go, well, praise God, I'm out of the dark. You know, praise God, I'm free. Yeah, but there are a lot of others that aren't. And it's our job to continue spreading that. And to spend our lives doing that. Helping people come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's the job of the church. That's the role of Christians. And speaking specifically about our family and about our kids. That is, is one of our most important responsibilities with our children. Is to make sure that they come into the kingdom of light. In Psalm chapter 119 verse 105. It says your word is a lamp to my feet, and a light to my path. So it gives the idea as somebody who's surrounded by darkness on every side, and they're walking on a path that they have a lamp, and they're holding that lamp, and it's, it's illuminating each step that they take, but they're covered in darkness all around them. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet, and as I walk, I can see the light, and I can see the truth, and your word does that for me. Your word illuminates it. And that's what we want for our children. We want our children as, as ones that walk in the darkness and are surrounded by darkness. We want them to have the lamp of God's word that everywhere they step, they can see the difference between the darkness and the light. And it's only the word of God that's going to do that for them. So how does Satan work? Because this is the only tool he has. A lot of people are afraid of Satan. They're afraid of the demonic. We know from Scripture demons are real. Demonic is real. Demon possession is real. All those things happen. Jesus affirmed them, attested it. We know that. But really, this is the only tool Satan has. If Satan could control you, if Satan could hurt you, somebody could cast a spell on you and, you know, hurt, he would have already done that. Okay, he can't. This is the only tool Satan has. It is deception. The only tool Satan has is to get you to believe a lie and then destroy your own life. That's his whole mode of operation is to feed you a lie, to get you to believe a lie, and then through that lie, you destroy your own life. That's his whole tactic. John 8, 44 says, you are the father, uh, you are of your father. He's talking to the Pharisees. 
You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is Satan. This is what he does. He's the father of lies. Everything you see in our world that you shake your head over and you go, how could you believe that? It's very simple. Satan, the father of lies, is actively spreading lies all the time, any way that he can, through anyone that will allow him. He is spreading lies, spreading lies, and that's how he's destroying our our world. It's through lies. So he's doing the same thing that we're supposed to be doing, but us in the opposite direction. We are supposed to be spreading truth. And if truth is spread properly, it counteracts lies. But when the truth is silenced, the lies continue to spread. So what's the difference between lie and deception? So if you think about uh, toddlers, for example, toddlers are really good at lying. But But their lies are really easy to spot. But they have no problem lying. You know, like if you've ever seen a toddler and you come in and the cookie's gone off the plate and you say, what happened to that cookie? And they go, there was a monster. It came out of the closet. It's like, well, it's real easy for them to lie, but it's also really easy to spot their lies. And lies by themselves are kind of like that. It's almost easy to spot a lie, but it's hard to spot a deception. Deception is different because deception is not just telling you what's not true. It's masking it. It's hiding it. It's packaging it in a way that you will receive. So, for example, if any of our fishermen, all right, if you go to the lake and you get a big shiny hook and you just jump in the lake and you try to approach a fish and you're like, hey, take a bite of this. You know, no one's coming. They're just going to run from you. It's easy. They can spot that lie like that, so that's not what we do. You don't jump in the lake with a big silver hook and, you know, try to go after the fish. That's too obvious. So what do you do? You package it, right? You, you plan it. You spend hours perfecting it. And, you know, for the guys that are really into fishing, you know, they go to the store, they'll have 800 different baits. You know, I, I have bait things I don't know anything about. You know, they'll have all these baits and... And they'll cast it this way, and this one you got to jiggle this way, and this one you got to reel in at this speed, and it's all this elaborate deception. That's all you are, fishermen, just a bunch of deceivers, just like the devil. I mean, my goodness. No, I'm kidding. And what do you do? You don't put an Oreo cookie on the end of that line. Why? Just because you like Oreo cookies? It ain't about what you like. It's about what that fish wants. And if you figure out what that fish wants and you figure out how to get him to overcome whatever defenses he has to protect him, whatever common sense that little fish may or may not have, I don't know, but to know, wait, something ain't right. Maybe he says something's fishy. Maybe fish say that. I don't know. <laughs> something ain't right, you know. And, you, and it's all designed to deceive until he goes, okay, I think I'm going to bite that. And then when he does, he's hooked. And that's how deception works. And listen, don't, don't think... Uh, don't, don't think that human beings are really much smarter than that. I know we think that human beings are so smart. But listen, when it, when it comes to Satan, a being that was designed and created by God and has been around since the creation of the world at least, he has perfected his craft. And he knows how to deceive mankind. And he knows how to trick human beings. He knows how to hook them. Now, if any of you have ever got on YouTube... 
and you've watched, say, for example, like magicians, and then they, they show you how to do their magic trick, and you watch the magic trick at first, somebody who's really good at it, and you go, how in the world did that person do that? And then they show you how they did it. It's like, man, that, this ain't even fun anymore. I was so into it when he was just tricking me, but then once I know how he did it, now I'm, it's not even fun anymore. You kind of ruined it for me, you know? It's not even fun. Because once you realize, once you see the truth behind the deception, it's not a deception anymore. Like, I can never watch that magic trick the same again, because now I know how he did it. And where at first it was fooling me, it got me, it kind of was like, man, it was bending reality. But then I saw how he did it, he taught me how he did it. So when I saw the truth behind it, that magic trick could never deceive me again. Why? Because truth came in. And so deception, it is, it is just that. It is very deceiving and and it draws a lot of people in, and it pulls people off course, but the truth counteracts it. And when the truth comes in, it will counteract the deception. Now, here's an important thing that we need to know about deception and how it works. The more truth a deception has in it, the harder it is to spot or recognize. So, again, if you, if you just say something that's blatantly obvious... Uh, that, that obviously counteracts the word of God, it shouldn't be that hard for Christians to spot. But then, but then you, get a, you get some truth mixed in and you start telling Christians, oh, well, you can't say anything about that because you're not supposed to judge. Well, see, that has a little truth mixed in it. So that deception is more, uh, it's taken by more people because they don't have the full truth, but it has a little bit of truth mixed in it. And so they bite it hook, line, and sinker, and they think, oh, I can't say anything because I'm not supposed to judge. Or I can't say anything about that because we're supposed to love. We're supposed to love all people. Well, yeah, but you don't have a good enough understanding then of what it means to judge and love and what he was talking about. See, what I like to tell people on that is I say, you're exactly right. I'm not called to judge. God already judged. And he wrote all his judgments down in a book. And what I'm doing is communicating his judgments to you. These aren't my judgments. These are his judgments. And if he says this is wrong, it's wrong. That ain't my judgment. That's his. And they're all there for us to communicate. But the more truth a deception has in it, the harder it is to spot. So going back to that filter that we were talking about earlier, if your filter is very porous, and you don't have the full truth of God's word, there's a lot of lies that are going to get in. But the word of God is the ultimate lie detector. The word of God and the word of God that you've hidden away in your heart, that you've renewed your mind with, whenever you hear a lie, something ought to go off in here. If you've hidden the word of God in your heart, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. When you hear a lie, you don't even have to know it's a lie. You don't even have to know why it's a lie. You don't have to have the whole argument analyzed. For a Christian that has the word of God and the Holy Spirit in them, they ought to hear a lie and something in here ought to go off. Ding, 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 ding. Something ain't right. And you, ought to, you have to learn to trust that. Because when I hear... As somebody who has the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in them, when I hear something, I can't always tell you exactly why it's wrong, but I go, something with that ain't right. Something with that, I need to proceed with caution because something's not right. And the more Word you have in you, the more your mind has been renewed, the easier it is to spot lies. This is what we want for our kids. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This is, this is what all parents want for their kids. It's in this verse right here. Joshua 1, 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, 
but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. How many of you want your kids to be prosperous and have good success? That's what we want, right? That's what every parent wants for their kids. We want our kids to be prosperous and we want them to have good success. How are they going to have that? Through a phenomenal education? Through, through a great career? Through making tons of money? No. No, that's not how. Let me tell you how. He said, this book of the law, the word of God, if it does not depart out of your mouth, in other words, you speak it, you talk about it, you meditate on it day and night for a purpose. You don't just talk about it and think about it all the time just so you're really smart and you can quote Bible verses and you can have debates with people and you can argue and you can quote scriptures with the best of them. That's not why. He said, it will not depart of your mouth and you'll meditate it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. The reason why he wants the word of God to not depart out of your mouth and not out of your mind is so that it leads to you acting on the word of God. And for, for many Christians, yeah, they have it up here, and they could quote it, they could talk it, but there's no match between their doing of it. And if that's the case, you will not have, you will not have prosperity, you will not have good success. It's a, those, those things have to come together. The knowledge that you have, and it, and it meditating on it day and night, has to lead to you obeying it and living it. And when you do that, he says, you're going to make your way prosperous and you're going to have good success. That's what I want for my kids. I want my kids to prosper not according to man's standard, not according to the world. I want them to prosper according to God's standard. And I want them to have good success. The number one thing we want for our children to recognize is that the Word of God is infallible, perfect, without error, and the supreme and final authority on every issue. In life. Now you have to first believe that. You have to first have adopted that into your own belief system. But we want our kids to recognize and understand that the word of God is infallible. It is perfect. It is without error. And the supreme and final authority on every issue. Not a good book that has good advice. Not, not, a, not a good book that, you know, we get some good Bible stories for. No, it is God's word to mankind on every issue of life. And it is the final authority. And it supersedes all of man's thoughts and opinions, including mine and yours and theirs. And that all of our thoughts and opinions, all of our viewpoints are subjected and secondary to the word of God. See, if every Christian believed that and followed that, we'd have a lot less problems. But I want my kids to understand that even your dad's thoughts, even my own opinions and viewpoints on things, they are subjected to the Word of God. And if I tell you something different than what you see in this book, then you need to go with what's in this book. Because this book is perfect. This book is infallible. And no man is People's thoughts can get off. People can be deceived. People can go a different direction, but the Word of God is infallible and it never changes. And it is the rock and foundation for every issue. And sometimes man 
decides that the word of God is wrong on an issue and they go a different direction. And guess what? It takes them 20 years, 30 years to find out. Uh, we need to course correct because I think God was right about that. And they have the fruit of, their, of living their own way. And they have the fruit of rejecting God's word and rebelling against God's word. Only for them to realize, man, it was God's word was right in the first place. That's not what we want for our kids. We want them to understand from the beginning, from the time they are young, that God's word is infallible, perfect, without errors, and the supreme and final authority on every issue in life. And all of your thoughts and opinions, including mine, are secondary and subjected to God's word. If we do this, the Bible tells us what will happen. Okay, J- Joshua, we just read it. You're gonna, they're going to prosper. Doesn't mean their life is going to be perfect, but they're going to prosper and they're going to have good success. Matthew 7 tells us that their life will be built upon a rock. That even when the storm comes, they're going to withstand it. They're going to, they're going to make it just fine through it because their life was built upon a rock. If it wasn't built on the word of God, then it's built on sand. And when, when difficulty comes, troubles come, their life, their life is going to crumble because it was not built on the word of God. So how do we create a passion and love in our children's heart for the word of God? I'm going to give you a few, a few tips. Number one is you have to model it. Number one, you have to have a love and passion for God's Word. You have to actually view the Word of God, as we were talking about before, as perfect, infallible, God's final authority. And they have to witness that in your own life. In other words, your children should often hear, growing up in your home, they should often hear, well, So this is what the world says, or you heard this, or somebody said this at school, or, oh, we saw this in a movie. Okay, what does the Word of God say about that? And let's compare it, and let's look. Does that match the Word of God? And talk them through it. What's the end of this lie and this deception? Where will this lead? What does following God's way and doing it God's way, where is that going to lead? And these are conversations that you have to have with your children on an ongoing basis. When they encounter a lie, you have to take the time to sit down with them and diffuse that lie with the Word of God. And that takes time. And many of us are too busy. But it takes time to do it. If you want your kids to have a love and passion for God's Word, number one, you have to model that love and passion to them. And when I read something in the Bible in my devotional time, my prayer time, I read something in the Word of God that I find interesting or I find, oh man, this, this is good for my family to talk about. We'll talk about it as a family either over, over dinner or driving in a car. or Sometimes it's important enough, but they're you know, getting ready for school. I'll call everybody in the living room and say, hey, guys, I just wanted to talk to everybody about this for a minute. I read this this morning. I thought that we should all think about this. And I'll just read them what I read. Read this in the scripture this morning. This was my thoughts on that. What am I doing? I'm instilling a love and passion for the word of God in their heart. I'm letting them know, dad reads and studies the word of God every day And it's something I'm passionate about. It's something that directs my day, directs my life, directs my thoughts. They should see you struggle with certain things. Well, we want to do this, and really we'd like to do this, but we're not going to do it. And here's why, because the Bible says this. Really, I'd like to call that person up and give them a piece of my mind, but the Word of God says that they need to hear you talking about that and explaining that to them. When they go through something at school and they're having trouble with somebody, time to break out the word. Time to break out the word and say, so you have this going on. 
How would you like to handle it? Well, I'd like to do this and this. Okay, and I understand that. I I get it. Here's what the Bible says. Let's, Let's compare. The Bible says we should do this. Which one do you want to go with? Those types of conversations. What are you doing? You're instilling a passion and a love in their heart for the Word of God until they begin to think biblically. Until they begin to think biblically. If you've ever learned a foreign language, and I had several people attempt to make me learn a foreign language, and never, I didn't ever get too far with it. But they tell me there's a point that you begin to think in that other language. I don't know if that's true or not. I always thought in English and tried to just translate it in my mind. It, <laughs> I stumbled around a lot. But it's the same thing with this. We want our kids to begin to think biblically, not for them to even have to go, well, what does the Bible say about this? But yet when they hear that instantly, the Bible pops into their mind. Instantly, the Word of God pops into their mind. Instantly, they think the Word of God, and, and their thoughts are aligned with the Word of God on those issues. That can happen when you model it. When the Word of God is the center of your life, they will see that, they will recognize that, and they will, they, it will impact them. Okay, secondly, explain it. Now, a lot of Christians I meet, they're not comfortable with this because they go, well, I don't know the Bible well enough. Well, all all I know to tell you is you're going to have to get to know it well enough. If If we are Christians, that means we're basing our life on this book. You can't base your life on a book that you don't know what's in it. I mean, I encounter this all the time with Christians. Like, well, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not versed enough in that to be able to talk about or explain that to someone else. Yeah, but your life is based on it. You're saying your life is based on this book. You need to know what's in it. And the only way to do that is to take time and commit portions of your day to it every day to where you read the Word of God little by little. It doesn't have to be all in one day. You don't have to read, you know, 20 chapters a day. But if you just read a chapter a day, you will get through it eventually. I know because I've done it many times. And I know because my children have done it. My children, both of my children have read through the New Testament when they were young. And either one of them I didn't make do it. They just did it because of this. Because we were modeling it. They're hearing it at church all the time. It's the center of our life. They both wanted to read through the New Testament. So if children can do it, how many know adults we can do it? So if so don't use the ignorance card and go, well, I, well, I don't know that, you know, or uh, I'm not re- really well versed in it. Well, then you basically have no hope of your children loving it and, and, and it being the center of their life if it's not the center of yours. So, yeah, we do have to model it and we do have to explain it to them. Now, you have a lot of help there. You have a lot of help. You don't have to know every verse off the top of your head. But there's nothing wrong with telling your kid, that's a great question. Now, I got to use the bathroom. I'll be right back and just say, then you go and you Google it and you pull it up and you find out, right? Because you can Google, you can Google and you could say, uh, get, you know, what, what scriptures are on forgiveness? And you're going to get 25 scriptures pulled up. What scriptures are on marriage? You're going to get hundreds of scriptures pulled up. You can go do that. You don't have to know it word for word, but we do have a great tool. It's not hard to find. What does the Bible say about this? And you get tons of scriptures that that pull up. It's not hard to do it. But you do have to, it does have to be the center of your life. As part of explaining it, 
you will have to anticipate the battles that they are going to face and equip them. In other words, looking at the landscape, I already know gender is going to be an issue. I already know sexuality is going to be an issue. I already know lust is going to be an issue. I already know temptations towards drugs are going to be an issue. I already know. Does the Word of God speak to those things? Yes, absolutely, everyone. So what do I do? Well, I begin at an appropriate age before they've encountered those things. I begin preparing their foundation. I begin teaching them on these issues. Hey, you're going to come into this. Let me begin to show you what the Word of God says about it. Let me show you where your culture is wrong. Let me show you where the Word of God is right. What are you doing? You're preparing their foundation. And when the foundation is strong and they encounter a lie, they recognize it immediately. But you have to begin doing that now. We have to, as parents, look ahead and go, what lies, what are the prominent lies currently of our culture? What are the prominent lies that the world is telling them, that their culture is telling them, and begin to prepare your children at an, at an appropriate age? Obviously, if they're three or four, you don't want to talk to them about certain things. But at a right age, you begin to prepare them, to prepare their foundation and equip them with the truth that they need to dispel the lies. Number three, I would make sure that they are exposed continually to good, godly, powerful, anointed Bible teaching. They need to be in church. They need to be in children's church. They need to be in youth. They need to be going to camp. They need to be hearing the Word of God. That truth that is being preached by someone who's anointed to do it and, and, and gifted to do it. They need to be hearing that teaching of the Word of God. It'll change them. It'll impact them. It'll get in their heart. But they need to be exposed to it continually. Let me give you a couple quick ways uh, that you can do that aside from just bringing them to church. All right? Just two quick things. And then we're going to be done here this morning. I know I went a little long. Um, but we needed to get through this. So for 10 and under, I want to recommend, I want to recommend a ministry... Uh, I'm not sure this is the name of the ministry, but the, the personalities of the ministry. It's called Dan and Louie. Dan and Louie. Dan is a man that teaches the Word of God. Louie is his little wooden puppet. Now, if you've not experienced Dan and Louie, I can't recommend it highly enough. Okay, just All you got to do is Google Dan and Louie Bible teaching. This is for 10 and under. If you go to uh, their website... They have downloadable links for these guys teaching the Bible. Look, as an adult, I love it. It's hilarious. It's really well done. It helps me brush up on little stories that I may not read all the time. They go through the entire Bible, and they do it in a way that's very biblical, uh, very accurate, and it's hilarious, and it's very entertaining. It's very engaging. And growing up, our kid, which, which actually this started when I was a kid, we would listen to, to Dan and Lou when we were driving in the car, and we loved it so much. We'd fall asleep at night listening to it, and so I started doing that with my kids as well, and just driving in the car, we'll put it on, you know, laying in bed at night, we'll put it on, and it just, it takes them through all the Bible stories, and what are you doing? You're just hiding the Word of God in their heart, and I, I can't recommend that ministry strong enough. It's, it's uh, you know, it'll cost you a little something to pay for it. I don't remember what it is, but trust me, it's worth it. It's worth it, and I highly, highly recommend this. And again, put it on your phone. You can download it all to your phone. I think you can buy the hard copy CDs if you're, but if you have children at home, you probably are past CDs. So put it on your phone and, and just play it in the car. 
you know, again, playing when they're asleep at night. And, man, it'll take them through all the Bible stories. And this will absolutely create a love and passion in their heart for the Word of God. I know it did for me and for my kids. Um, for 10 and above, for 10 and above, every child needs to have their own Bible of a good translation. For 10, for, for 10 through, like, teenage years, I recommend New Living Translation. It's not a perfect translation, but it is very readable. And, and the issues, uh, it has everything right in it that needs to be right. There are a few things that I, you know, I prefer the English Standard Version. But for kids, I use, for my own kids, I use New Living Translation because it's very readable. And it's very easy to understand. And it's, it's a safe translation. So New Living Translation, we encourage our kids to have time in the morning where they read the, the Word of God before they get up. They set their own alarm. My kids are 14 and uh, 12. So, you know, you adjust this for the age of your kids and whatnot, what's age appropriate. But we encourage our kids to set their own alarm. We don't, we don't wake them up. They need to be setting their own alarm to get this habit of getting up yourself to put God first. Uh, that is one of the most crucial habits for a child to develop is waking up in the morning and opening their Bible and putting God first. And so we encourage it. We don't demand it. We don't necessarily require it, but we strongly encourage it. And if one of them's falling off the wagon, you know, two, three, four days, and I've noticed it, I'll say, hey, what's going on? Notice you hadn't got up a few mornings, and we'll talk about it. It's not like I'm in there, hey, get up, you know. I don't do that because I don't want you doing it because I'm making you do it. I want it to become part of who you are. And I can say for my kids that that has worked and that has been effective. Uh, I didn't tell them we were doing this. I, we did not promise them that there would be any rewards for it. But when my kids finished the New Testament, man, we, we just kind of blew their socks off. We wanted them to be blessed. We wanted to celebrate it because I believe that what you celebrate gets repeated. So we celebrated when they finished the New Testament, you know, both of them. I took them, to one, I took them by themselves. We went to Six Flags. We stayed in a hotel. We ate good food. We partied, you know, just as a way to celebrate. Plus, we were in the car there and back, you know, for hours talking about, man, what'd you learn? What'd you read? And just celebrating that big milestone in their life. So again, celebrating when you, when you see the passion, when you see a movement towards the Word of God, celebrating it because what you celebrate will get repeated. What, what you say to them, hey, this was a big deal. And, and in reinforcing that by saying, man, I'm, we're going to do something big because this is a big deal that you did that. You know, that can go a long way. So we've covered a lot and not, we're not, it's not nearly exhaustive. But just keep that in mind. You want to create a love and passion for the Word of God at as young an age as possible. And then once it's there, you need to continue nurturing it all the way through their teenage years. You want to nurture that. If you ever see it dip, if you see it wane, you got to come up with a new strategy, new way to get them understanding it. Why? Because it is their key to the rest of their life. It is the key for this generation that we're in. They will not make it without that. And so as parents, we have to equip them with this key skill. We have to equip them with this love and passion for God's Word. Amen.